It's 2023 and welcome to the opening episode for this year of I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing and admissions people that's nothing to do with work. I'm Simon, former marketing manager turned owner of the Bonjour Agency, the place for admissions and marketing in school. In each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. Now, in this episode, we're speaking to someone who used to work in marketing and admissions, then left that role to start her own business, helping people who work in marketing and admissions. Gemma Price is CEO and founder of HubGem. We're going to find out more about that in a moment, but we're also going to find out what it was like for her leaving her job to start her own business, managing the growth of the business, how she manages her LinkedIn posts, why culture is so important, and being a nerd. That's Gemma's word, not mine. Now, Gemma is great fun. She's energetic, she's relatable, she talks about things we can all understand, but all the time skirting the edge of work without actually talking about work. That's what we can expect in this episode, so come with me now as we speak to the CEO and founder of HubGem. It's Gemma Price. Gemma, thank you for joining me and welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good. It's great to have you here. I appreciate you being here, especially early in the morning. It's 9.30 in the morning. How's your day looking here today? Yeah, well, we're on the countdown for Christmas here. So um, uh, actually quieter than usual, at least I'm hoping, you know, chance to catch up on a few bits um, before putting my feet up. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so without talking about work and just for the sake of people that are listening to us right now, what is your connection with the independent school section? In other words, what do you actually do? So I used to be a director of marketing and admissions in an independent school. Oh, okay. And uh, I actually left a couple of years ago to start HubGem. So we now work closely with um, marketing and admissions teams, helping them to implement HubSpot CRM and just improve the way they do things. So we work with lots of lots of independent schools. Okay. All right. So I'm dying to find out more in a minute about your role as director of marketing and admissions and what it was like to leave that and go and start up on your own. But before we do that, I want to ask you about LinkedIn, because when I see people posting stuff on LinkedIn, it's often quite corporate or they're sharing an article that, they, that they've been featured in or something like that. It's like they're trying to get the balance between sharing useful information, but also a bit of a humble brag at the same time. Your LinkedIn posts are different, though. They, they all seem to be very happy and personable, often to do with the people in your team. And it's like you genuinely love your team. Tell me something about that. Oh, I do. I absolutely love my team. I, so it's really culture um, is so important to me, the culture of the company, the culture of the team. And um, I, <laughs> I genuinely am that excited and, and happy about just about what we do. So, so to be able to share that, you know, I've had multiple roles in the past where I, I wanted better culture and a better team. And so the fact that I, I have that now and I think we're achieving some quite incredible things, I'm excited to share it. So, yeah, hopefully not too annoying. But I yeah, I literally bound in, in like that every day at the minute. So Brilliant. Well, they're always so happy and there's always lots of big smiles. So, so that's really good. OK, tell us about that background. Then you mentioned about being director of marketing and admissions. Where were you and what were you doing and, and how long were you doing that for? Yeah, so I had a bit of an interesting journey, really. I started off working in radio, actually, out of university. I worked in radio producing and presenting, which was, yeah, I was really interested in it and, and enjoyed it. But I always had this thing in the back of my head saying, oh, but I love the education sector. My um, my dad works in the education space. Um, and so I always wanted to somehow, I didn't, wasn't sure what, but somehow work in education. Um, I actually went on to become a 
a college librarian, then a school librarian. I had a bit of a all over journey. I just sort of promised I'd say yes to any opportunities. And eventually I ended up working in college marketing in a further education college and found my place. <laughs> I loved it. And then uh, after working there a few years, um, uh, I was offered the job of, yeah, director of, of, initially it was in just the marketing side and then eventually I sort of um, adopted the admission side as well. Um, and that was at Lincoln Minster School. All right, let's just jump back to radio for a second because that's a little bit interesting. That's a little bit different as well. What radio station was that? And what was it about radio that appealed in the first place? <laughs> so I, w I wanted to go to university. I wanted to do something that I was really interested in. And I'd always been quite nerdy. I've always liked software and tech, um, but I also just really liked broadcast media. So radio and television. And I did a degree in media production. And at the time I remember you know, oh, degree in media. And, it, you know, it was it was it, it wasn't a science, but I was really passionate about it. So I, I did that. And then when I left, I, I went freelance and I was doing sort of freelance production, uh, some producing and also voiceover artists. So it, it was really boring, actually. It was recording like health and safety corporate videos and things like that. But um, yeah, so I, I did some work for uh, BBC Lincolnshire, which is where I'm based uh, in near Lincoln. I also did some work on Lynx FM and, and the wider group. I did presenter training with Lynx FM. Yeah, I, I loved it. And then tell me what it was about education then, because I'm just thinking that some people may have had that the other way around, you know, gone into education and then they're thinking to themselves, oh, it's really radio that I'm passionate about. What was it about education that really switched you on so much? I think I've, I've always been a bit of a nerd. <laughs> I've always loved learning as well. I've always, um, I've loved reading as well. I'm, I've always been really into books. And my dad's a lecturer at a college, so I'd always sort of seen the impact of education and I went to lots of events and things. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I just, I think I really wanted um, a job where I could make a difference. And in radio, as the, you know, it was a lot of fun, but there was a lot of sort of keeping up. So I had to keep proving, you know, Today I might be in and tomorrow I might be out. And as a freelance uh, presenter straight out of university, it was quite hard to, to build anything up, especially financially when you had freelance work here and there. And, and actually, I, I just decided that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, the, what else was I interested in? Well, I, I was passionate about education and loved books. So hence the role as a college librarian first. <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing. That really is. So, so then how long were you working uh, as director of marketing and admissions for then? It was, a, it was about three years, something like that. Um, I, I sort of was started off, as I say, with like PR and marketing and then, yeah, and then embraced admissions only towards the end, actually embraced the admissions bit. Um, so, so three years um, prior to that, obviously, I'd worked in college marketing, so I'd had that experience there as well. But um, yeah, it was interesting. It was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't from an independent school background. It was a, yeah, interesting, interesting new world. So what was that like then to leave the perceived security of a, of a full-time employment role and go and start out on your own? As in, was this something that you always wanted to do to run your own small business? Or was it the idea of HubSpot coming along and then you thinking to yourself, oh, I need I, I need to share this with the world. So I'm going to start my own business in order to share it. And I'm going to call it HubGem. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to say it was always my plan, but it really it really wasn't. <laughs> um, I am. Um... I'd implemented HubSpot, seen huge success with it and realised that it was needed in the sector. And, and you know, it was something I was really passionate about sharing. But then also um, I had my daughter and I went back to work when, when she was six months old. And going back into, into my office at the school, it just, 
I just wanted, I, you know, my job could mostly be done remotely and pre-COVID that was just not done. So I think there was a mixture of things. There was the, I, I found the bit of my job that I really loved was the HubSpot side. Um, but then also, you know, I wanted that balance and I wanted to work on my terms. Like, you know, I, so I decided to just take the plunge and do it. And I, I honestly, it was more of a, I just need to do it because if I don't do it now, I never will. Do you think that if you hadn't done that then, or if you hadn't done that to create Hubgem, then maybe, I don't know, in two, three years time, you would have done it, but in another sector, in another, with another different product to supply to schools or something like that? I don't know. Um, because I hadn't, you know, in my career to that point, I hadn't come across anything that I just loved as much as, that's a complete nerd here, but I, I just loved this software and I loved what it could do. I could see the potential. And I think it's quite rare you sort of stumble across potential for a business like that. It's not like I'd invented a product or I'd, you know, or that I had a certain, um, I suppose I could have started like a typical marketing agency, but that never appealed. So I think it was the passion of that in particular that drove me to do it. Um, and I think it was just the, the timing for me. Being a new mum and going back to work is really hard. And I just, something didn't feel right. I felt like I needed to do something about it. And that's all I could think of at the time. So. Now, you've mentioned three times about being a nerd. They say that being a nerd is the new cool, of course. Tell me something about that. <laughs> I don't think I could claim to be cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks. Um, no, I, uh, I, I just have always, you know, I, I look back at me as, as a child and as a teenager and I was... I always had, had lots of friends, but I was always, um, you know, my me time was on my computer at home, creating videos or learning new software or whatever it might be. And that was really, really what I loved doing. And and then I think at university, you know, I was I was doing audio production and I was I was the only girl in the class at times. Like it was typically more boys were into software. And so, so yeah, I think that and then that combined with reading, I think, in my own time, I'm quite introverted in that I like to just read or, or go on the computer and, and learn stuff. So, yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't think that comes. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm cool with it. You mentioned about being the only girl in a class filled with uh, otherwise boys. Do you like bucking the trend in that case? It appears so, doesn't it? Because <laughs> now, now I'm a female business owner in the tech space, which is quite rare. It's never really occurred to me that that's what I'm doing. I just find it interesting. So then what was it like when you actually left? Because... I'm thinking that a number of people that are listening to this, they may well be doing a similar kind of role to what you were doing. They may even be thinking, oh, it would be great to, to leave that and go and do my own thing. But I'm just a bit scared about doing it. And it, it is a bit of a terrifying thing to do. But tell me what your experience was like leaving that perceived security and starting up on your own. Yeah, I think ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I think I um, I think I just wanted, I wanted it so much and I wanted the balance so much. I remember I contacted HubSpot directly first and said, hey, are there any jobs for someone who really loves your software? Um, but they were, you know, the European headquarters is in Dublin and I'm not in Dublin, I don't wanna move. So um, I was looking, just looking at my options. It wasn't as such that it was, I am going to start this business. And then uh, I, you know, I'd made some really good contacts when I was working in the space. Um, I was actually getting regular phone calls from schools saying, hey, you're that school that's implemented HubSpot, aren't you? How's it going? <laughs> so I, I was sort of doing it before I, before I did it as a business. And looking back now, it was re a really big, risky decision. Um, and it was, you know, those early days with a six-month-old daughter were really intense as well. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have 
a lot of money and I just had I didn't have any savings put into this it was just just going from from the ground up um what was really hard is that a couple of months in uh, covid hit and um suddenly everything was locked down all of my pipeline of schools I was going to work with just disappeared <laughs> um and because I was a new business I wasn't eligible for furlough or or anything like that there was no incentives so I just had to grip on by the skin of my teeth like I've got to get through this so I, I wouldn't do it again <laughs> um but but I think you know looking now and, and that I feel so so lucky now at where we are and the growth you know we're we're working with clients across four continents and we're, we're working with you know we've got 15 staff now and I, I look at the last that's in three years I look at that journey over the last three years and I have to sort of pinch myself I, I think I was I wouldn't say it was necessarily deliberate that I would get to there I was just doing something I loved now 15 staff in three years that that's a fairly significant growth plan isn't it I mean how do you how do you, how do you manage the scaling up of a business like that when inevitably people are going to do things in a different way to how you would do them if you were doing them yourself yeah challenge right the first 18 months was just me and then I was about 18 months in when I took on my first employee. And it's actually within the last 12 months we've took on the rest, basically, or, or pretty much. So it's it's been very, very quick growth. I think the key thing for me is, and, and actually COVID and lockdowns helped with this, I put a lot of processes in. I defined everything before I needed to. So I was, and, and this is actually what we now help people, the people with, right? But I put processes in place and I put, I put marketing plans in place and I did it. And I remember panicking in the first lockdown, like, what can I do? I can't, I'm, I need to do something. So I think in one month I wrote 80 blog articles. 80. Which is insane, 80. <laughs> I needed to be proactive. I was panicking. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. How, how, did you, how did you think of 80 different things to write? I don't know. I have a lot to say. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I knew um, it's our job, right, to help people with marketing strategy and things. So I was looking at looking at our personas. I knew the personas we were marketing to very well because it was me six months earlier. Um, so I looked at all the things that were linked to what we that I could help with. And then I just started writing. So, yeah, um, so it was a bit I, I think it was a bit of a a bit of a journey, really. Um, I think. The other thing I've that's always, and I've touched on it already, but the thing that's really important to me is culture. I want to build an environment where my team love what they do. I want to help people feel supported. Work and work-life balance um, is so important. So, you know, and I actually think I can't believe there's still companies and organisations out there where culture and, and well-being of teams is an afterthought. So I was really excited to grow the team and, and put things in place to yeah, to support. And then jumping back to your previous self, I mean, what would you tell, what, what would you tell your previous self or to put it in, in a better way, actually, what would you say to someone who's currently working in a school and wanting to do something on their own? W would you tell them to just go for it? Or would you tell them to, you know, prepare for two years before you go for it? Or would you tell them not to do it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the individual. You know, I, I think I was the person to, to just go for it, but that doesn't mean that's the approach everyone should take. I had a lot of people say to me, don't do it. You're in a safe job. You've got a really good job. Why would you do that? There's no guarantee of income. How are you going to cope? You've got a mortgage. You've got a child. And there was a million and one people telling me reasons why I shouldn't do it. But I am a bit of a, you know, and I've got an idea in my head. I'm, I'm going to go with it and do my best. It was, it had to succeed. So if, if you've got that attitude and if you're that sort of person where you get an idea in your head and you've got to go with it, 
which a lot of entrepreneurs and, and other, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. Um, then if you've got a good idea and you know your market, go for it. But you have to be willing to put the work in. Um, you know, none of this comes easy. I've had <laughs> many, many sleepless nights. I've had months where I'm thinking, I can't pay the mortgage. <laughs> I've had, you know, I've, I've, I've taken the rough with the smooth. And um, if you're resilient and, and you really believe in what you're doing, then go for it. And I, I think you'll never know. Unless you just do it, you'll never know. So, yeah, I mean... It obviously it's worked out for me so far um uh, there are many many businesses I, I don't know the statistic but you know typically startups fail within two years so uh, we're, we're past that so we're with a little sigh of relief but um I think you know you've you've got to be willing to take a risk and the risk is that it doesn't work and so I didn't have a backup plan <laughs> which in hindsight was ridiculous <laughs> but I I I, I just had to do it and i suppose my backup plan was get another job i'm I'm willing to work hard so but on the other hand you know you, a, lot, a lot of people do argue that by not having a, a backup plan it makes you succeed at, at plan a if there's no plan b it's like the idea of, of burning the ships uh, when, when you land on the island now you've got no no choice but to win the battle because you can't turn around and go back so i i guess that for some people that works really well for other people that would probably keep them up at night too much and that's not the right thing to do but the other thing I'd love to find out more about, you mentioned that various people try to stop you from doing this. Is that because they were coming at that from a from a place of love because they were concerned? Because maybe they're not the kind of people to do that, so they're trying to put that onto you? Yeah, I'm sure I'm, there, was, there was no one sort of, no one maliciously saying it. I think they were just genuinely concerned about my approach to it, right? I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. And it, maybe they've seen people fail with that. Maybe, yeah, maybe they just be not brave enough to do that or or you know couldn't do that because of their circumstances so yeah it was from a place of love um but uh you know it it, it did it did get in my head like oh god am i making a bad decision especially when we're in lockdown here I was like, what have i done i should have listened but i am somebody who i'm i've recently been doing i did a personality test it was so interesting it, and i'm very much intuition led um and my gut solves all my problems for me right <laughs> Um, and I think I just knew that I could do it and that belief that I could do it and that passion for what I was going to do. And also, you know, I was frustrated that I'd had multiple jobs over, a, a, you know, over a uh, eight, 10 year period. And and I just hadn't quite found the the thing that I was most passionate about. There was bits I loved of all of it and there was lots I didn't, which is probably normal. Um, uh, but I... I just had this niggling feeling that I I could do it better. I could do it. I could do it well. So. <laughs> okay, Gemma, a couple of quick questions for you now. Uh, so let, let's keep answers here to, if we can, less than 10 seconds. Tell me one thing that you like to do at the weekends that people might not know about. Oh, okay. Renovating. I, I mean, liking's a strong word. <laughs> We're renovating our house. Um, other than that, nothing. I just like to relax. Okay. Renovating house. Sounds pretty good. Okay. Uh, what's the best holiday you've ever had? My honeymoon. Uh, we went uh, traveling around Italy, um, saw so many beautiful places. Venice been the highlight. Beautiful. I've never been to Italy. I'm dying to go. Well, no, 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 I have been once, but I didn't really see much of Italy. Okay. And if you could do any job in the world, what would you choose? Oh, but I've literally built my perfect job. And so you can't, I'm not allowed to say this one, am I? So um, if I had, to, I'd probably do um, 
I'd probably mentor people on culture, company culture, and how to bring people on a journey with you. Look, you know, mentoring business startups, maybe. I don't know. Culture is definitely important to you. I can, I can absolutely tell that. Okay. And then lastly, because I'm keeping an eye on time now, how is your 2023 looking? I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you planning on doing differently in 2023 compared to 2022? So we've, we've grown loads in the last year and I'm thinking, gosh, can we keep up that momentum? We've already, we're nearly at a waiting list for the year ahead. We're, we're talking bigger. So a lot of universities, a lot of groups of schools um, who want to work with us. So um, busy. I'm trying not to think about it too much. Um, it's going to be mad, I think. Um, I think the team is probably going to double in size again um, uh, just to keep up with demand. What will I do differently? Um, I need to um, probably... I'm CEO, which sounds really big, but I need to be able to remove myself a little bit from being as hands-on in all the areas. At the minute, I'm very much in sales and in marketing and in client delivery and finance and, and business. So so I, what I need to do is, um, and I'm starting to do this, is to look at hiring people in the right places so that I can delegate more and uh, maybe have a day off. <laughs> Fantastic. And then outside of work, anything you plan to do differently? I've got a whole house to renovate. So um, uh, we, we only bought it at the start of uh, start of this year. So um, yeah, uh, I, I think just get on with get on with that is my plan. Um, and yeah, I suppose balance. So you know, I'm, I'm mindful of culture and well being, and, and actually, you know, looking at my own and saying is this the right thing for me to focus on? And um, yeah, maybe giving myself a little bit more me time. Well, it's been amazing to hear about your growth in the last, well, three years, but in particular in the last 18 months. Uh, I'd love to talk to you again in 12 months time and find out how that continued growth is all going. It'd be really good to find out more about that in, in maybe a year's time. But in the meantime, I think I should probably leave you to carry on with your day. Gemma, thank you very much for being here. It's been great talking to you. It really has been. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So that was Gemma Price, CEO and founder of HubGem, coming to us four days before Christmas, but talking at the end there about 2023 and how that's looking. If anyone wants to connect with Gemma, then just look her up on LinkedIn or visit her website. Links to both are in the show notes. Now, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, then just drop me a message. I'm simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, just check out our website, www.thebonjouragency.com or give me a call on 020-7858-2246. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe, and it just means that you won't miss it. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.